You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. Well, we get the privilege today of diving into God's Word and continuing with a series we just began last week. Uh, We're in a series called Mountains Will Move because today we are beginning our 21 days of prayer and fasting that's associated with that same topic. And uh, so if you've got your Bibles, I'd like for you to take them and turn with me to Mark chapter 7. At the same time, I want you to take them and just mark that place, keep it there, and I want you to get to Matthew chapter 15. We're going to be looking at both of these texts today because they describe the same event, but they have different things and different circumstances and give us a fuller picture of what's going on there. While you're turning and getting ready for that, we are uh, preparing, obviously, for 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're going to end this service with Holy Communion as we kick off prayer and fasting. But one of the things I want to encourage you is on the way out today, there'll be a devotional guide you can grab for for you and your family, uh, for each and every day to have scriptures and devotions that go along with it. In addition to that, um, our staff has prepared devotional videos that'll, that'll post every single morning on the website, on YouTube, on the church app, all those places where you find, um, um, uh, where you tune in and you um, stream with us, you'll find them there. Um, encourage you at some point during the day to join those um, and just uh, 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 be a part of that discussion. Maybe even have that discussion, you can talk with your family about that later on. But in addition to that, there's a link on every day when you do that. If you have a prayer need for that day, if you'll click that link, um, there'll be a form there. You can fill that out. You can fill it out and put your name. You can do it anonymously if you'd like. But know this, we're going to get those here, and our staff is going to be praying. Our pastors and staff will be praying every single day for those needs over these 21 days of prayer and fasting. It would be an honor and a privilege for us to do that with you and pray with you as well. So I hope you'll take advantage of all of those things and tools and resources that are available, but also the connection point of praying one for the other. So today we are in um, uh, the second week of our series, Mountains Will Move. I want to talk to you today about faith that moves God. Faith that moves God. In Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 24, it says, Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. And right away a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. Since she was a Gentile, born in the Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, first, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. And she replied, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. Good answer, he said. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. Let's pray as we talk about faith that moves God. Lord, in these next few moments, I pray that you will speak to us through your word. I also pray that you will build our faith. Take us from where we are. Take us to where we need to be. Lord, anoint the words you've given me to say as they go forth. Anoint our ears to hear them and our hearts to receive them so that you may accomplish your perfect will. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, I often wonder what would please surprise, amaze Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 1 tells us, talking about Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 3 says, and by Him and through Him all things were made. Anything that was made was made by Him. 
So if it exists, Jesus made it, spoke it into being. At his word, the heavens were created. At his word, the earth was created and filled. What would amaze Jesus when you think about how amazing his creation is? As the earth revolves around the sun, if we were one degree closer or further away, life could not exist on this planet. Jesus spoke this world into existence, and we revolve around a sun that is a burning star. In our galaxy alone, there are 4,000 stars in addition to the sun. In the observable universe, the amount of stars that are there, all created by Jesus, is 10 to the 22nd or 24th power, somewhere in between there. That is an exponential, astronomical number that is hard to even comprehend. Even on this earth, where Jesus created the heavens and the earth, and you look and you see the sky, and you see the mountains, and you see the lakes, and you see all of the glory and the grandeur. This earth teeming with life, there are 2.13 million species of living organisms on this church. Every one of them created by Jesus. Every one of them. The oceans are called the most unexplored area known to man. Do you know the average depth of the ocean? The average is 12,000 feet. That's a little over two miles deep. That we know of right now, off the coast of Guam, the deepest place we've ever measured in the ocean is almost 36,000 feet deep. That is almost seven miles deep. All of it created by Jesus. What would cause the one who created all of those to marvel at an answer and say that right there is a good answer? It comes from a woman in a region where Jesus, quote-unquote, shouldn't be. You see, he's not in Israel. He's not in Judah. He's not in Jerusalem. He's not even in Samaria. He's not in Galilee. The Bible tells us that he has traveled north from Galilee, and now he is in the region of Tyre and Sidon. In the Old Testament, that is the area of the Canaanites. Modern day, that would be what we consider to be Lebanon. He's traveled outside of Israel. And he is in a home trying to just sort of lay low. And the Bible says that they cannot be kept a secret. And so in this place, in this place where the people know who Jehovah is because of the close proximity they have to Galilee, but they do not worship the Lord at all, but they know who Jehovah is. Jesus decides he's trying to get away from the crowds. It has been a very difficult stretch for Jesus personally and in ministry. The Bible tells us that just prior to this, his own cousin, John the Baptist, has been beheaded by Herod. Given his life, Jesus then finds out, wants to get away. But when he tries to get away, the place is packed with people. And so Jesus begins to minister to them to such an extent the people would not leave. And the disciples said, make these people go away because they're going to be hungry. And Jesus said, let's feed them. And he finds five loaves of bread, two fish, and he divides them up after blessing him and miraculously feeds 5,000 families. 
They counted men in those days, probably 20,000 people at least, with 12 baskets of leftovers. Immediately, the Bible says he tells his disciples, get in a boat, go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. I want to go up and pray and be alone. He's still trying to get by himself. It's tough. A storm comes to the Sea of Galilee. The disciples are almost capsized, and Jesus walks on the water to get to them and to calm the storm. And finally, he arrives in this place where he shouldn't be. Quote, and there is a woman who comes to him and loudly begs him to please, please deliver my daughter. She is possessed by a demon. She has no right to ask this. I mean, in those days, I'm not trying to be patriarchal, but in those days it was. Women didn't have rights to go up and demand anything and ask anything in public. She was also a Gentile. Jews looked down upon them. She was also a Canaanite. Jews hated them, considered them to be their enemies. She shouldn't be in his presence. She shouldn't be asking these things. And this woman knows all of this, and in spite of it, her need, her daughter, drives her to go to Jesus because she's heard the stories. Because where she is is right next to Galilee. And the people of Galilee are filled with the stories of Jesus. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 1, verse 27, in Galilee it says, All the people were amazed and began to ask one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. Jesus commands even unclean spirits, and they obey him. And the news about Jesus spread quickly through the whole region of Galilee. In verse 32 and 34, it says, That evening after sunset, people brought to Jesus all who were sick and demon-possessed, and the whole town gathered at the door, and he healed many who were ill with various diseases and drove out many demons. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 tells us, When evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This woman heard the stories. She hears that Jesus is there. And with every bit of boldness and courage and faith, she can muster up and says, I know I don't belong here, but I'm going to go ask him anyway. And Jesus' response to her is nothing like we think it would be. When you read it, you go, all right, this is the moment. Go get him, Jesus, right? Not at all. His response is opposite of what we think he ought to do. And the interchange, the dialogue between this woman and Jesus teaches us some things about faith. Faith that moves God. The first one is this. Faith doesn't walk away even when you don't get the answer you want. Even when you don't hear from God immediately. In Mark chapter 7, I'm going to read there and I'm going to read Matthew chapter 15. Here's what it says in, starting at verse 25 in Mark 7. Right away, a woman who had heard about him came, fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter since she was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia. Verse 22 in Matthew chapter 15. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. She's, she's not a Jewish person. She's not an Israelite. 
but she's close enough to know these people believe he's the son of God, he's the Messiah, so she addresses him with that title. A title that the Pharisees and religious leaders will not even give Jesus, she gives him in her approach to him and says, son of David, my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. And then his disciples urged Jesus to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all her begging. After all the faith she musters up, after all the boldness, all the courage, and she goes to Jesus, the Bible says he doesn't even respond. He doesn't reply. He doesn't say a word. He literally ignores her for a moment. Is that because he doesn't care? Is that because he's not concerned about those who have relatives that are possessed by evil spirits? Well, it can't be. Because Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry in Luke chapter 4, he quotes from the prophet Isaiah when he says, here's what I'm going to be about. Here's what I'm going to do. In Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This is what Jesus said he's going to be all about. One of the reasons why that he came was to set people free and to bring freedom to the oppressed. But his initial response to this lady was not, you've come to the right place. The Bible says he answered her not a word. Silence. Have you ever experienced that? where you make your prayers known to God, you come to hear begging and pleading, and all you hear at first is silence. Where you cry in agony, God seems not to say a word. It may be, maybe even appear to you that God doesn't hear your prayers. You need to know something. There are times when you pray that things will get worse before they get better. Is it because God doesn't care? No, sometimes God remains silent in order to test our faith. I know it's a mystery. I know we don't understand it. But his silence is not because God is cold-hearted and his silence is not to destroy her faith. His silence is literally to explore her faith in the moment. And this woman keeps crying out, Lord, help me. Like the persistence of a little child to their parents when they want something. How many of you have children in the room? Can I see your hands? How many of you understand what it feels like to have a child go, mom, 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 dad, 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 dad. How many of you wish your name was something else at that moment, right? That kind of persistence, she comes to him. That type of persistence, she pursues him. Because sometimes faith has to be tested. In 1859, there was a man who did something no one else had done. At that time, there was uh, no one who had attempted to walk across on a tightrope Niagara Falls. If you've ever been to Niagara Falls, it is beautiful. It is 
powerful. It is almost intimidating when you think about somebody doing something like that because the wind is whipping around. Not only are the, are the falls powerful, the wind that's associated with it. It's absolutely amazing. Charles Blondin decided that he would do what no one else has done. He attached a wire from one side to the other and he walked across on that tightrope with no net. People were amazed. Then he began to do it again, and every time he'd just do a little bit more. They tell us that he went across somehow in a sack. I don't even know how that's possible. He did it on stilts. He rode a bicycle across on the tightrope across Niagara Falls. One time, he carried with him as he walked across a stove and cooked an omelet. I don't know. I, I have no idea. On July 15th of that year, they tell us, they record, that on this time he took a wheelbarrow and he went from one side to the other and people were just ecstatic. He was like, you believe I can go back across with this wheelbarrow? Yes. You believe I could carry something in this and add weight to it? Yes. Do you believe I could carry a person in this? And they went, yes. He said, who wants to go? no one. Because if we're honest, we like to talk about faith more than we like to demonstrate faith. We talk about the things of God, and yet God wants us to experience those things and see him in a different way. This lady was persistent in her faith. God's silence at the moment would not deter her. But if you thought that silence was bad, wait till you see what Jesus' second response was. So faith doesn't walk away when things are tough or when God's silent. The second thing is this. Faith finds reasons to believe when you have reasons to give up. Faith finds reasons to believe when you have reasons you could give up if you wanted to. In Mark chapter 7, verses 27 and 28, it says, Jesus told her, first, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. And she replied, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. In Matthew chapter 15, here's what he says. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. And she came and worshiped him, pleading, Lord, help me. And Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. And she replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the master's table. Do you know who was loving this exchange right now? The Pharisees and religious leaders who have been following him the whole way because that's what they believed. Those people don't deserve anything from God. Even his disciples have fallen into that because Jesus is still working on transforming them. They literally say to him, Lord, she's bothering us with all of this. Tell her to go away. And so Jesus says, I'm not going to do that. It's not right. I've come, first of all, to the children of Israel, not to you. And then Jesus says, it's not right. Not only was he silent, he says, it's not right 
for me to throw to dogs what was meant for the children. That is not what I was expecting Jesus to say. Not at all. It sounds awful. He's kind of using a word that the Jewish people used that were associated with the Canaanites and even with Gentiles. He's kind of using that word, but not exactly. You see, the word, they often referred to them as dogs, not worthy of our attention, not worthy of any of that. They often used that word, but the word that they used was kuon, which is a, a term that's used for a stray dog, a mongrel, like just nasty old dog that's out there. But that's not the word that Jesus uses here. He actually uses the word kunarium, which means little dog, like a house pet. They're allowed to be in the house, but they're not allowed to be at the table. You understand? They're kind of part of the family, but they're not like the children, unless they're like some of you treat your pets. I'm... That's an issue you've got to deal with. It's just not right. I shouldn't take the bread for the children and give it to the little dogs. He's telling her. They come first. But he's hinting right now. But you're part of this. You see, Jesus is about to do something that is so unbelievably remarkable for your sake and for my sake. Now, the woman could have acted offended. She could have said, how dare you call me a dog? But instead, she says, but even dogs are allowed to get scraps from the master's table. Because she realizes something. She realizes Jesus is there. And Jesus is in that area on purpose. Verse 21 tells us Jesus left Galilee, went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He purposely left Galilee to go there. Jesus never went anywhere unless he was led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is in the midst. This is a transitional point that's going to take place in Jesus' ministry. It is a teachable moment for his disciples. You see, at this moment, Jesus is in a place where they didn't think he should be, and he certainly shouldn't be doing miracles for them. And so he begins this, because what's going to happen is when he leaves that place, Jesus is going to go again down to the Sea of Galilee, but this time on the other side of the Sea of Galilee where the Gentiles live, not where the Israelites lived. And this time he's going to work another miracle of people that are hungry. This time they're not Israelites and Jews that are hungry. This time it is Gentiles that are hungry while they're out there waiting for and listening to him speak. This time he's going to almost identically replicate the miracle he did for the others. But instead of feeding 5,000 with 5,000 having 12 baskets of leftovers, he's going to feed 4,000 with seven baskets of leftovers. In essence, what I did for them, I'm going to do for you. They thought it was only about this, but I I am incorporating you into the kingdom. All the Gentiles that think that they think they never belong, all the Gentiles that think they're outside of the will of God, which is you and me if we aren't Jewish, he says, I'm going to incorporate those. This is a major turning point in the ministry of Jesus, and it starts with the faith of this woman right here, right now. And it begins to change these things. And her logic was, if Jesus decided to come here, then whatever he brings is for me as well. 
Can I tell you something? That's major. Because the Bible promises where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there. That means he is here this morning. And if Jesus is here, it's time to believe that you're not here by accident or you're unworthy of being in his presence. The same God who worked miracles in the Bible has decided to be in this place this morning. And whatever God brings to others, he will bring to you today. You can believe that. Faith finds reasons to believe even when you have reasons to give up. The third thing is this. Faith moves God's heart. It moves his heart. In verse 29, Jesus said, good answer. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. Mark chapter 15, verse 28 says, dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Over and over again in scriptures, the Pharisees are trying to catch Jesus in his words in order to accuse him of something. This woman catches Jesus, hold of Jesus' words and applies them to her life. You know what leap just leaps off the page to me is that he said it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs but when she says even dogs get the crumbs from the master's table he says dear woman that is a great answer your daughter's well Dear woman is a term of endearment and acceptance. It's the term that the angel referred to his own mother, Mary. Dear woman. It wasn't that she never meant anything to him. He was exploring her faith, asking her to believe so that he could do for her what she could not do for herself and begin to open up. She had no idea. She had no idea that her faith in that moment was going to begin the process of bringing the Gentiles into Jesus' ministry. She has no idea. She just knows. She didn't have an answer for her own daughter, and Jesus did. What if you, what if you would bring your need to the Lord today in holy communion and believe that his promises are for you? You know, at the very beginning, I told you, John chapter 1, verse 1, says about Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 3, by him and through him all things were made that were made. Verse 12 says, and as many that would believe and call upon the Lord, he gave the right to become the children of God. You're not a stray dog. You're not a mongrel. You're not even a house pet anymore. You've been adopted into the family and you have a seat at the table and the table that you sit at is the table of Christ. And when you partake of the brokenness of his body and remember the spilling of his blood, you are reminded that there is no length that God won't go in order to have the relationship with you and give you all that you need. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes in this room?
the invitation to the table is for everyone who would believe. And if you came in this place and you know things weren't right between you and the Lord, you just need to pray a simple prayer like this and mean it with your heart. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the Son of David. You are Messiah. And Lord, you came to the Jewish people first, but you have opened it up to all of us. And I ask you for your salvation today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, and I ask you to become the Lord and the leader of my life. I yield myself to you. And I will live by what your word instructs me and by what your spirit tells me. And I will never be the same. I'm going to ask everyone in the room to pray this prayer profession with me. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. One more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed still, no one but the ministry team and me looking around. If that's you, I'm not here to embarrass you or call you out. I want to pray for you this week. But you know when you came in this place, things weren't right between you and the Lord, and you're making a decision to follow him for the first time or the first time in a long time. Just say, pray for me this week. Will you raise your hand really high and keep it up just a moment, please? God bless you. Leave them up just a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you can put them down. Lord, we thank you for changed lives. We thank you for hope renewed, for joy restored, for purpose and destiny that will be realized. We thank you now for salvation. For those that accepted today and for all of us who have been invited and have a seat at the Lord's table. We have no right to be there in and of ourselves, but because of what you've done, we have a right to be there. Thank you for all that you've done. And now as we approach the table of Christ, we come with gratitude and thanksgiving. We come as we begin these 21 days of prayer and fasting. We come with our needs. We come with our mountains that need to move and say we trust you and you are more than enough. And with anticipation, we prepare our hearts to take up your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You should have received some elements when you came in. If you go ahead and take those, please. You can unsee- If you did not receive elements, please raise your hand. Someone will get those to you. Raise your hand really high. We'd like to get the elements to you, please. leave them up just a moment we'll get those to you you can unseal those if you would the top seal will reveal the wafer and the bottom seal will reveal the juice and as you are preparing the elements I want us to take a moment to prepare our hearts to receive the the work of Christ represented in the broken body and the spilled blood of Jesus Your good, good Father is who you are, is who you are, is who you are, and I'm loved by it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am, your good, good Father is who you are, is who you are, is who you are. Who I am, it's who I am. 
you take the elements, hold them in your hand. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, that on the same night that the Lord was betrayed, he took bread, and after he blessed it, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Would you remember the body of Christ? And in the same manner, he took the cup and said, this cup is my blood in the new covenant. Take and drink as often as you do in remembrance of me. Would you remember the blood of Christ? For as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let me pray for us for our 21 days. Lord, we come to you now with grateful hearts, hearts overwhelmed by the sacrifice you've made for us, by the goodness that you have shown to us, not because we deserved it, but because you chose to be good. We thank you today that by your grace, we are able to sit at the table of Christ we thank you today that we have the privilege of entering into 21 days of prayer and fasting to begin this year in humility. Humility where we remember that we can't go a day without you. And that we don't live by bread alone, but by every worth that proceeds from God. We humble ourselves before you. Do the work you need to do in us and through us. Lord, we pray if there's transformative work inside of us, do that. If it's convincing, if it's conviction, if it's crushing, whatever needs to be done, do that, Lord. But also, Lord, we bring to you our needs and our mountains that need to move. Not necessarily telling you what to do. We're telling you exactly what we'd like. There's no worries with that. We're saying we trust you. We humble ourselves, bring our needs, and say, change us inside. Change the circumstances that we face in order that the path that we walk is the path that you have ordained for us. And by faith, we're going ahead and give you praise in advance for all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Will you celebrate with me today? Five people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ today. Come on. Amen. Listen, if you made a decision to follow Jesus in the last few weeks, we want to help you with that process. Some of our grow team will be down front at the end of service. Come talk with them. Give us two minutes of your time. We'd love to help you get started on this walk with Jesus. If, um, if you're going out and you don't have time to come down here, out in our atrium, there's a place called Connection Point. We, we can talk to you there. We'd love to. Um, also, if you've got a place where uh, want to get more plugged in, find out more about Mount Perrin North, life groups or finding your passions and your giftings. There's a thing we do called North Life. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Um, if you've got uh, time, take a, a moment, fill out the card in the seat in front of you that says connect and then take it to the connection point and we'll get you signed up for all of those things as well. So excited about what God is going to do in our lives over the next 21 days. And I can't wait to see how God is going to move among us. Would you stand please? And before you go, allow me the privilege to bless you according to Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. 
and the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you folks. Love you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at mountparanorth.com or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.